What's up, guys? Rick here with five late round flyers that you're going to want to consider for your fantasy golf team in 2023. If you want to join a season long fantasy golf league, there's a link in the description that shows you all the available leagues within the community, or you can create your own, post it, and have other people join your league. Very simple stuff. We've already got hundreds of people in leagues for 2023, so exciting times. Check the link in the description. Here are some five late round flyers that I've been taking in my drafts. We'll start here with Thomas Dietrich. And in fantasy golf, especially season long fantasy golf, there is going to be a lot of consideration for opportunity. And the opportunity that Thomas Dietrich is going to provide to his, his managers is basically forced opportunity because he is PGA Tour exempt from a top 50 on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. And remember, when we go to only 70 golfers uh, locking up their tour card, getting into the playoffs for next year, a lot of these guys who are on their last year of status, also their first year of status, are going to need to play a lot of golf. So the volume is already built in for Thomas Dietrich. And what we've seen from him just early in this PGA Tour run during the, the first part of the fall schedule, Schedule last year was splendid, right? He had a T12 at the Fortinet, a T9 at the Sanderson Farms, a runner-up in Bermuda, a T15 at Mayakoba, and he intertwined a bunch of other really good finishes on the European Tour along the way as well. So Thomas Dietrich is playing great golf right now, and he's a great golfer in general. He's a fairly solid ball striker. He can get hot with the putter, and again, that forced opportunity is something that I keep going back to with Thomas Dietrich. I have him ranked as my 39th overall golfer, 39th overall. He is currently going between 6th and 10th rounds uh, in drafts that I've been doing so far this year. So you are talking about someone that you can get late into drafts. He's not showing up on a lot of big boards because he technically did not have any or does not have any qualifying fantasy starts of 2022. So you won't see him show up on any of the cheat sheets. Thomas Dietrich, someone that I'm snapping up and I could probably be even waiting even longer on uh, and getting him in the 8th or ninth or 10th rounds, but I'm getting him around the 6th or the 7th round. Steven Yeager is next, and the same story for forced opportunity from Thomas Dietrich goes to Steven Yeager. This is technically Yeager's last year of PGA Tour eligibility. He's in on uh, a top 125 exemption from last year, so he's actually going to have plenty of priority into the events that he wants to be able to play, and the events that he wants to be able to play is, is generally a lot of them. 22 qualifying fantasy starts last year. He averaged 58 fantasy points on average. That was more than Matthew Neesmith, way more than Webb Simpson, more than Mito Pereira, more than Daniel Berger when he ended up playing. So a very solid average from Jaeger. And what you'll note, um, even maybe even more importantly, is that he had a, a, a good number of stud weeks, six of them, six different times he finished inside the top 10 of fantasy scoring or the top 10 percentile of fantasy scoring for that week. And that does not even include the ninth place finish in Houston. He had a very solid fall where he only missed one cut in Bermuda. Um, he's going to do this a little differently than some of the other guys that we would, that we would like. He's kind of a short game specialist. You'll see that 
constantly gaining around the green, constantly gaining with the putter, trying to get more confident, trying to find improvement in the ball striking categories. But when you look at how many starts he has, his ability to get to the top of the leaderboard, and in those starts that he had last year, the types of golfers that he was able to outperform make Steven Yeager a very sneaky late round flyer. And he's going very late. Eighth or ninth rounds is where he's going right now in terms of ADP. I have him as my 43rd overall golfer, which means you should be taking him about early sixth round. The only reason he's going in the eighth and ninth rounds is generally because I'm taking him there, right? He would probably go later than that uh, if I waited a little bit. I could probably get him in the 10th or the 11th rounds, but I have him ranked much higher than a lot of his peers. And I think I, I think that he's a steal in every draft that I'm getting him from the seventh round and on. Scott Stallings is next. And if you've been paying attention to the types of things that I think are going to be good for fantasy golf, you probably realize that Scott Stallings is going to check some of these boxes here. First off, he had 22 qualifying starts last year, which is basically the third most or the fourth most of anybody. Shank and Stewart had 25. Buckley, Hickok, Sahith Tagala all had 24. Uh, Smalley, Malnati, Wyndham Clark each had 23. Then a large group of guys that had 22 qualifying starts. Scott Stallings is in that mix. But what Scott Stallings did in his starts, I think is going to end up being more valuable. He was a very high upside, a high ceiling, and also a low floor golfer. So he had a dud week where he finished in the bottom 50th percentile of fantasy point scoring 10 out of 22 starts, but the upside, he had eight star weeks finishing in the 10th percentile of fantasy scoring. Where does that rank him amongst his peers that had 22 starts? Uh, crushes everybody. Adam Svensson had 22 starts. He had seven star weeks. But when you look at guys on tour who had eight star weeks, Cam Young, Justin Thomas, Mav McNeely, Max Homa, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, Scott Stallings. One of these names, not like the other. So he had a low average, but the ability to win you weeks was there. And I think that's what we're going to find to be really, really critical. You know, when we sort this, so we'll go back to just sorting by average. And Scott Stallings had 58 fantasy points, um, the 49th most in terms of average last year. You look at someone like Charles Al the third. Well, that's not a fair because Charles only had 12 starts. Let's look at um, JT Poston. JT Poston scored on average more fantasy points than Scott Stallings did in the same number of starts. But JT Poston only had four star weeks. He had eight dud weeks. Um, Scott Stallings had twice as many star weeks. Mark Hubbard, similarly. Mark, would you rather have someone who scores 58 points but is only finishing in the 10th percentile three times? Or would you have someone who can do it eight times, right? So these are the types of golfers that I think can actually win you matchups, not guys that just sit on your bench. You never feel comfortable rostering that you never feel comfortable starting them. And then if you do start them, they finish T 57 and get you 50 fantasy. But I, I don't know if that's a value. I think the style of golf that Scott Stallings plays is more valuable when it comes to actually winning matchups. I have him 56th overall, which puts him at the end of the seventh round. He's currently going anywhere from sixth to ninth. So you kind of have to see 
what rounds can you get Scott Stallings in? I don't think you want to reach for him in the sixth, but if, when he starts to get into the eighth and the ninth rounds, if he's still available, filling out your roster with Scott Stallings feels like a pretty solid option. You want to talk upside? Let's talk Siwoo Kim, who is next on this list. And I actually have him ranked right behind Scott Stallings. I have him 57th overall, which would be the first pick of the eighth round. He's currently going seventh round to ninth round. But what do we know about Siwoo? Always been an elite iron player, a great ball striker who can get absolutely scorching hot and actually win tournaments, actually finish inside the top five of tournaments. He has struggled mightily with the putter, but we have seen him experiment with the longer broomstick style putter. It worked well for him at the President's Cup. It worked well for him in Las Vegas where he had a T8. It's it's something that he is obviously working on and willing to take steps on to try new things. The big thing that I think points towards Siwoo as a late round flyer is this uh, that I tweeted out a, a couple of weeks ago. And this is for every player in the fall portion of the schedule who played at least 100 measured holes, shot link holes. How many birdie opportunities did they give themselves? How many looks inside 15 feet, whether they made it or not, did they give themselves? It should, it's, it's, a, it's basically like targets for wide receivers, right? A stat that allows you to see how many opportunities they had. Converting them is a different story, but you can't convert them if you don't have them. Siwoo was number one in the fall, gain, or, uh, having 38% of his holes have a birdie opportunity from 15 feet or closer. He had 26% of his holes in which that birdie opportunity was 10 feet or shorter, which from 15 feet, that was number one in the fall. And from 10 feet, that was like the third best rate in the fall. So we are clearly seeing a golfer who's giving himself a lot of opportunities to make birdies, who is willing to take a chance with a putter. And even if he doesn't fix the putter entirely, he never becomes a positive guy on the putting surfaces. Is he going to have those pop weeks? Is he going to gain two and a half like he did at TPC Summerlin? Yeah. Is he going to gain four and a half like he did at Detroit Golf Club? Yep. And those weeks are going to turn into really, really good matchup winning weeks for Siwoo. If you can get him in the seventh, eighth, ninth rounds, I think that's the type of guy you should be filling your roster with. And finally, a late round flyer of Cam Smith. Yeah, let's talk about this. We've got to address this at some point. He's a top five player in the world, obviously playing on live. But the expectation here is that he is going to play four major championships. Is it worth allocating a roster spot for someone that you can only play four times? That's kind of up to you. I think the answer to that is generally yes. So let's talk about this a little bit. Um, Cam Smith, as of right now, I believe he's only going to play in the four major championships, whether the majors come out and say, no, you're not allowed to play, or there is some type of compromise where he ends up playing more PGA Tour event. Like, I, I, I just think four is the number, and he's going to play in all of them. And when you start looking through the odds boards, so he currently has the fifth shortest, no, I'm sorry, the third shortest odds to win the Masters. He currently has the like fourth shortest odds to win the PGA championship. He currently has the second shortest odds to win the U S open. And he currently has the fourth shortest odds to win the open championship. So you are getting a golfer who four times a year will have, let's just say 
top five shortest odds. Is that guy worth a roster spot that you're going to have to hold on for at least four months because the first time you're going to be able to use him is Augusta, but you can drop him after the Open Championship because he's no longer going to be needed after that. Um, I think the answer is yes, because there's going to be a lot of guys on your roster that you might have, you know, as your 11th and 12th guy that you never start, right? And imagine having, like, I'll just give you an example of a team that I drafted with Cam Smith on it. This is a league I took Cam Smith in the 12th round, my final pick of the draft. I took Cam Smith. So my top three are Patrick Cantlay, Victor Hovland, Will Zalatoris. I'm going to feel very comfortable playing those three at any major championship or at any event for that matter. And then four times a year, my top four are going to be Cantlay, Hovland, Zalatoris, Cam Smith. Four times a year. As opposed to saying Cantlay, Hovland, Zalatoris, and... Oh boy, um, I don't know. Is it Mac Hughes? Is it Alex Smalley? Is it Steven Yeager? Right? Like those are decisions I'm abs- actually going to have to make a lot of weeks, but not at major championships. So I do think he is worth a roster spot here. There's probably a larger discussion to be had um, later about which live guys are you willing to do this for? Because I think the list is very small. As of right now, Cam Smith is going anywhere from the 10th to the 12th round. I think he's the top guy in terms of live guys that you would want. The odds also reflect that. And if you can get him in the 11th or 12th round, I think you are going to feel very, very good when we get to major weeks that you're going to be able to run him out as a no-brainer starter, right? When we do weekly rankings, he's on those weeks, he's absolutely going to be in the top like eight. So yeah, you're basically getting a G1 four times a year in one of the last rounds. I think it's fair. Okay. Those are five late round flyers there, guys, that I'm moving the market a little bit on in terms of ADP because I'm drafting them earlier than they probably would have been drafted if I wasn't in those leagues. Uh, These are guys that I'm excited about and that I think are going to fit your season-long teams very, very well. Let me know what you think. Comment below which one's your favorite or if I missed somebody. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. Best of luck, and I'll talk to you guys soon.